talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales podcast. I'm your host, Moses Soria. With me to my left, as always, is Achi. Yes, yes. And with me to my right is my brother, Josh. Yo, what's good? And today we have a doozy, a doozy of an episode where we're going to be talking about spiritualism, psychics, psychics, reincarnation. Vibes and fucking vibes. <laughs> Somehow, vibes. we're gonna this be vibing. This episode is gonna be everything but a vibe. No, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. It's, it's a, a vibe. vibe. So it's gonna be all a vibe. Right. We're gonna put two chains song in the background. It's a vibe, bro. It's a, yeah. All right, there you go. There you go. All right. So you know, we're just gonna get you know we're just gonna get it started. Let me ask you guys this, okay. and our listeners, a quick two part question. Oh mm-hmm. shit! Do you know what happens after death? And if not, do you think it's possible to know? I don't want to know. Oh, you wouldn't want to know? I, I wouldn't want to know. You just want a surprise? Yeah, I want to get a surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> surprise, motherfucker. It is. And then I have someone in, the, in my afterlife just be like, it is what it is. Mm. It is what it is. Josh? What? Do you think it's possible to know? Well, Possible to know? I'm gonna say no. But after doing my segment, it's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> so no matter what your belief in the afterlife is or the lack thereof, there is knowing that throughout our history and our very shitty lifetime that we have heard, read, or seen people claiming that they have seen the other side. Whether it's through an auto body experience or a vision. Sure, most of us might brush these stories off as nothing more than getting that good anesthesia. But there, there is some science that claims that many, many near-death experiences follow a lot of the same themes. And that's, what, and that's what I mean by, do you know what happens after death? There are people who do claim they know what happens after death. Those are the people that die and then come back to life. Right. These people are called NDEers. NDEers? NDEers, or that's short for near-death experiencers. Oh, okay. You know, and there's a study, there's some science that claims that everybody, it's weird that everybody who has these near-death experiences go through the same theme. They have the same experiences and the same um, feelings in that in the specific order, mm. and these themes, as we're gonna call it, is for, it's four four different themes or things that happen to all these and the ears. Mm. The first one is feeling the leaving or returning to your body. They always say they feel that. They always feel a sense of peace. They always see a bright light, and it's always they always deal with encounters or with people. They're always like, oh, I feel at peace. I see a bright light. I see my mom calling out to me. I see mm. someone calling out mm. to me. They always deal with these exact same things, whether it's just something that's planted in your brain because someone said it and now you're experiencing it. So now you're just hallucinating it. Mm. Who knows? But these four experiences, they also sound like Achi, 
on, you know, to sound like Archie after he zooted the fuck out on a Friday. After just a good little. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah, when, uh, when you're talking about him, like, sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but according to an article about cognitive neuroscience that I'm a, that I'm going to post in the article show notes, they actually did a study. Which was, this is in their words, when it came to the study of Andy Ears. Mm. The aim of the present study was to investigate the frequency distribution of these features globally and according to the position of features in narrative, as well as the most frequently reported temporality sequences of features. So in short, they wanted to see why so many Andy Ears near-death experiencers have and felt almost identical symptoms or feelings you guys want read that article article's pretty fucking cool it's it's short but they they say why might why people might experience the same things you know just yeah so i said all this to say that even though we might not know what the fuck is on the other side and that science is also trying to figure it out the following people know what the fuck is on the other side because these people have been and the ears so you have some real life experiences real life experiences First one, in 1994, orthopedic surgeon Tony Asisoria called his mom from a payphone during a lake house trip. They'd hung up, but he still had the phone in his hand when a blue flash came out. He hadn't realized there had been a lightning storm brewing. He felt his body fly backwards and then, confusingly, forward. Asisoria turned around to see his own body lying on the ground. I'm dead, he thought. No grief. No ecstasy, just a fact. He was on his phone with his mom. Oh, boy, am I dead. He was on his phone with his mom, hung <laughs> up, and bef- the call was over, and before he hung up, lightning struck. Boom, oh, and hit fucking him. fucking Zeus? He got Zeus, bro? So he was Zeus. So after a woman, <laughs> so after watching a woman start CPR, Cesaria moved on, floating up the stairs to see his kids getting their face painted. Realizing that they'd be okay. Then I was surrounded by a bluish white light. An enormous feeling of well-being and peace. He told the New Yorker. The highest and, low po- the highest and lowest points of my life raced by me. I had the perception of accelerating being drawn up. There was speed and direction. Then as I was saying to myself. This is the most glorious feeling I have ever had. Slam. I was back. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> they resuscitated him. The weird side note, the doctor who rewrites Asoria became overwhelmed with the urge to play and write piano music right after. Wait, the doctor? Yeah, who was doing the CPR on him? Uh-huh. What does that have to do with him? It's just a weird note. She's just like, I didn't, want, I, I didn't want to go back and help him. I didn't want to get on the... Uh, uh, the second he came back to life, I needed to play the piano. Which is weird. It's a weird history until podcast, bro. Oh, it's just weird. What the fuck? It's weird. It's a weird side note. I saved your life and had to urge you to jack off. <laughs> oh shit! But that part was funny. Peace. No, no, not that. But not what you said. <laughs> That's credit. But the part. <laughs> you wake, looked at me you, with disgust. You okay. Wake, you wake up. You just see. Your I crossed the line like, there. <laughs> I, I crossed the line. <laughs> like, like, I saved your life, motherfucker. <laughs> let me let me do me, son. I'm, I'm celebrating, sir. Yeah, man. See how you, much stress was put upon me, motherfucker. I got to release this shit somehow, motherfucker. Son, you came back to life. Now let me come. <laughs> but that, that that line, this is the most glorious feeling I have ever had. And slam, 
I was back. Just <laughs> <laughs> fucking teased, huh? Yeah, so that's um uh Tony Sasori's story. Here's another one. After a four year battle with lymphatic cancer, Anita Morjani slipped into a coma in two thousand six. Doctors were sure it was the end, not realizing that in her near death state, she still had a she still had consciousness. Initially, she felt like she was floating above her body with a 360, 100-degree peripheral vision of the hospital room and beyond. She told Today, she couldn't see her late father himself, but she did feel his presence, and then he had a message for her. He said that I've gone as far as I can, and if I go any further, I won't be able to turn back, she said. But I felt I didn't want to turn back because it was so beautiful. It was just incredible because for the first time, all the pain was gone. All the discomfort, all the fear, gone. It just felt so incredible. And I felt as though I was enveloped in this feeling of pure, unconditional love. About 30 hours after falling into a coma, Morjani flicked back into consciousness. Two days later, her organs started to regain function and the tumors started shrinking. Now, she's cancer-free and is a public speaker and the author of books like What If This Is Heaven? What the hell? So that one was interesting because she actually, she actually, she was, you know, she was having an out of body experience because she was dying, and then she kept going further, further away from her body, and then her uncle is like, "Whoa, don't go any further. If you go any further, you're not gonna be able to go back." She's like, "But I want to go further. She's she's feeling nice, son." And then she's he's like, "If you go any further, you're not gonna be able to go back." So she ended up going back to her body. But she was able to control that. Yeah, that's a trip. Yeah. This next one, I call it Heaven and Hell. This is why I call it Heaven and Hell. So a new network, so a news network back in 2017 was asking if you know a few of the local residents about the same talking that we're talking about. Do you believe in the afterlife? And you know, some people will. And to their surprise, they received answers. But the one that surprised them the most was the answers from these two locals who said they saw the other side. One local said she saw heaven, and the other said he saw hell. Oh, shit. So on March 17th, Priscilla was struck by a car as she was crossing the street. At first, I just remember like sitting on a cloud and light and peace and calm. No fear, nothing, until I just came to. This changed her life for the good. She became a better person. She stopped doing coke during her grandchildren's dance recitals. She started to look both ways when crossing the street. Now the other guy, he told Tent News Network that when she collapsed, that when he collapsed after being stabbed, he ended up going to literal hell. What the? He said, I knew my body was still on the gurney. But I was floating. And I began to hear screams of people all around me. Crying and wailing. And I felt my body being scratched and it kept getting harder and harder and harder. Until I came to and was resuscitated. Damn. This was his, the guy's name was Ronald Reagan. And immediately after, he ended up becoming a preacher. He ended up becoming a preacher. And he's like, "Fuck this! Let me, let me go back." <laughs> I hope when I actually die, he's like, he's like, don't go to hell. he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but obviously I'm doing something wrong. So let me, <laughs> let me correct this while I'm going. You know, you let think, me correct this. You think you can change your your afterlife, your destination? I mean, according to the Bible, all I got to do is just c- confess your sins and you're good. You kill a million people and you just, at the very last minute, you just confess and. Hey, like, oh shit, my bad. Yeah, imagine the the only sin he committed. <laughs> The only one that caused him to go to hell. He told his sister, or he told his daughter that he was going to take her to Target. And then and lied. And lied. That was the only thing that caused you to go to hell. 
That's what you get. <laughs> That's what you get. <laughs> That's what you get, bro. Right to your daughter. So now we have a good old Reddit thread. Reddit, they always come through. Must be real. Must be real. It's legit. It's Reddit. Yep. So one year ago, a Reddit user posted this. How did you almost die? And what did you see in hell? He said, I don't want to know about your heavenly shit. I want to know about your experiences with hell. Right. Wait, so that was the question. The, yeah. su- the subreddit, he just. Okay. How did you almost die? And what did you see in hell? Okay. That was a subreddit. That was his thread. His Reddit thread. Yeah. And this is one of the answers in his Reddit thread. I won't be saying the username of the pe- of the person answering, but I will link the thread to the episode show notes if you're interested, mm-hmm. so you can read them. So you can read most of the answers. This was his answer. I smoked synthetic marijuana and had a heart attack. What? The- <laughs> that does not sound good. It's right off the bat, huh? Hell wasn't a place. It was a state of mind. What? I only felt things. My vision was replaced with a burning light that made my entire body feel like it was being scorched by a thousand suns. In my head, I repeated one phrase over and over again. Each time, the phrase was said slower and more painfully each time. I knew it would last forever. I remember recounting each and every bad thing I had done. And the opportunities I had to turn my life around, but didn't. I knew there were others with me, but like they were judging my every bad habit, behavior that led me to this point. Hell was personal. My hell was every horror and bad thing that had ever happened to me on replay for eternity. It was me, and I knew there were others with me, but like they were the higher power judging me. Going down a never-ending checklist of things I could have done, but didn't. I also felt like I was the entire universe, and I had killed it. Like my whole body was imploding and exploding at the same time with no end in sight. And then he keeps going on for like a good long while, and he's kind of describing the same thing. But that's his interpretation of hell. He didn't actually technically see hell. He felt it. He felt it, yeah. Yeah. Because he had a heart attack and he died. But he says he doesn't remember seeing anything. He just everything he did was he he felt it. There's a lot in in that in that in that Reddit there. There was a fucking bunch of funny ones. It's all the same thing, but it was hilarious, annoying that uh, there was a lot of people, religious people, who had and who had their near death experiences Uh and saw and felt nothing. And they were mad, like a Christian man lost his faith because, like, I died and I didn't see anything. This is bullshit. What the <laughs> fuck? And there was another one where a Jewish man he died. Uh-huh. He had he died he died three times. He died three to four times. He, he died. They brought him back to life. He died again. They brought him back to life. It was all at the same time. Yeah, it was okay. during the same thing. The accident he had, and, he, and the Jewish man went to his local um, not church. I forgot what it's called. Synagogue. Right, to, to, yeah, his local synagogue and beat the shit out of his rabbi because he's like it's all a lie I died four times I didn't not see a one, thing not two not three but four that is in confirmation enough yeah but there was other people who were saying you didn't see nothing because it wasn't your time to go 
Why are you going to see heaven or hell if it's not your time to go? Uh, That's like the Christians on the thread. Uh, it's not your, it wasn't your time to go. So you're not supposed to see it. I was like, man, that sounds fucking right. Fuck you. <laughs> so, you know, when I was reading this, when I was, you know, reading this, I kept seeing different, I kept re- I kept seeing different things about this is the type of near-death experience. This is the type of near-death. I was like, this is the type of the fuck? So then I was like, is there different types of near-death experiences? And there fucking is. And this is fucking horrible because there are good what? near-death experiences and bad near-death experiences. And of course, I'm only going to talk about the bad ones, right? So when it comes to near-death experiences, there are a few different shitty types. I just wanted to talk about the three different types. They're called distressing NDEs. Distressing? The ones that stress you the fuck out. Oh, gosh. Tell me about it. The void near-death experience, the inverse near-death experience, and the hellish near-death experience. So let's talk about the inverse first. In some NDEs, Features usually reported in other NDEs, such as pleasurables, are perceived you know, as hostile or threatening. A man thrown from his house found himself floating at treetop height, watching emergency medical technicians working over his body. No, no, this isn't right, this isn't right, he screamed. Put me back, but they didn't hear him. Next, he was shooting through a darkness toward a bright light, flashing past shadowy people who seemed to be deceased family members waiting for him. He was panic-stricken by the bizarre scenario and his inability to affect what was happening. That's an inverse. Here's another example. A woman in childbirth felt her spirit separate from her body and fly into space at tremendous speed, then saw a small ball of light rushing toward her. It became bigger and bigger and bigger as it came towards me. It became bigger and bigger as it came towards me. I realized that we were on a collision course and it terrified me. I saw the blinding white light come right to me and engulf me. That's an inverse. The last inverse example, a woman collapsed from hyperthermia and began re-experiencing her entire life. I was filled with such sadness and experienced a great deal of depression. So that's an inverse. I guess it's the typical NDE where you die and you get to have an out-of-body experience and you just can't control anything. Right. Right? Now let's talk about the void. Oh, boy. An NDE of the void is an ontological encounter with a perceived vast emptiness. Often a devastating scenario of loneliness, isolation, sometimes even annihilation. For example, a woman in childbirth found herself abruptly flying over the hospital and into a deep, empty space. A group of circular entities informed her she never existed, that she had been allowed to imagine her life, but it was a joke. She was not real. <laughs> Damn. There's, what a dick move. She argued, just got pranked, bitch. And she argued with facts about her life and descriptions of Earth. No, they said. <laughs> nah. None of that had LOL. none of that had ever been real. Okay. This is all there is, was, and forever will be. She was left alone in space. That's her experience. She was left alone in space. She was just Complete darkness. Darkness. That's fucked up. Like, haha, bitch. Psych. Another woman in childbirth felt herself floating on water. I'll be mad as fuck, bro. <laughs> yeah, is it? I'm swinging, bro. <laughs> I'm swinging. Hell nah. 
the second they said nah, nah. Fuck, bro i'm spitting i'm swinging i'm i'm sad so another woman in childbirth felt herself floating on water but at a certain point it was no longer a peaceful feeling oh it had become pure hell i had become a light out in the heavens and i was screaming but no sound was going forth it was worse than any nightmare I was spinning around and I realized this is eternity. This is what forever was going to be. I felt the loneliness, the emptiness of space, the vastness of the universe, except for me, a mere ball of light. Scream. But you can't hear yourself. She can't. No one could hear her. She could only hear herself. Oh, she could, she could only hear She herself. was just in a ball of light screaming and no one could hear her. A woman who attempted suicide felt herself sucked into a void. I was being drawn into this dark abyss or tunnel or void. I was not aware of my body as I know it. I was terrified. I felt terror. I had experienced nothingness. I expected the big the I expected the big sleep. I expected oblivion. I found now that I was going to another plane. And it frightened me. I wanted nothingness, but this force was pulling me somewhere I didn't want to go, but I never got beyond the fog. So this chick, she was going somewhere she didn't want to go. Wait, wait, wait. So she was expecting a void. Yeah, you know, when you died, she was, I was expecting nothingness. I was expecting the deep this. sleep. Right. Yeah. And nope. She's like, nope, you're going. You're going Narnia, bitch. She- <laughs> so far, these are all women, so we're on a good streak. <laughs> Uh, um, well, I mean, you chose these. Yeah, but I did. No, yeah, but these were the examples that they that, that they had given. I didn't specifically choose them, but you know, I spoke too soon. A man who was attacked. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first two words, a man. By the this is, a, this is your next part, right? This is hell. Are we still in void? We're still in void. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well. It was mixed, right? No, there's inverse, void, and then hellish. I'm still in void. I'm about to go to hellish. Oh, I thought he described hellish. All right, never mind, huh? So a man who was attacked by a hitchhiker felt himself rise out of his body. I suddenly was surrounded by total blackness, floating in nothing but black space, with no up, no down, left, or right. What seemed like an eternity went by. I fully lived in this misery. I was only allowed to think and reflect. Imagine being in such darkness that there's no up, down, left, or right. Yeah. And you can't see yourself. I mean, does he feel? No. He doesn't feel anything. There's well, nothing around him. That's good. But you're still conscious. Yeah, but you don't feel like being upside down or being like there's no physics or anything. You're just thinking. You're, right. you're just uh, 11 in the pool. Yeah. Last but not... Yeah, you're right. I wonder what they're going to do for season four. Ooh, they're going to go to Russia, right? Yeah. Some, someone has to die, bro. They're already in season four. Someone's got to... 11's got to die. Mike and Will got to die. They have to die. Yeah, or else the show's, the show's going to get bored. Why do you think we loved Game of Thrones so much? Because we didn't know it was going to die. That's true. We only lost Billy. And we only knew him for like one season. But we, but we felt it. I felt Billy's death. Yeah. Billy died? Yeah, bro. Seeing him, I'm like, fuck, I want to grow a mullet. 
<laughs> he made a mullet look cool or what? Fuck yeah. <laughs> so now let's talk about hellish. Overtly hellish experiences may be the least common type of distressing NDE, near-death experience. A man in heart failure felt himself falling into the depths of the earth. At the bottom was a set of high, rusty gates, which he perceived as the gates of hell. Panic-stricken, he managed to scramble back up to daylight. He, he managed to what? To crawl back up to earth. <laughs> He's like, fuck this, fuck, fuck this, fuck this. this. <laughs> a woman was being escorted through a frighteningly desolate landscape and saw a group of wandering spirits. They looked lost and in pain, but her guide indicated she was not allowed to help them. She had a guide? Have you seen the movie, um... Soul? Yeah. You know that, that desert plane where the, where the souls go when they're lost? Yeah, yeah, When they don't have a meaning. When they don't have a meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our experience with hers. She's just oh. exp- going through darkness. Yeah. Just, oh, shit. Spirits just walking around. <clears throat> that was a really good movie. That was a really good movie. It was a great movie. That's a deep-ass movie for Disney. No, I think the deepest one is the one about the feelings. Inside Out. Inside Out? That one to talk about suicide. They talk about all the emotions. I don't think I watched it. So but, this I, one, I, but this one talks about the afterlife, bro. You just like this because it was about a music teacher. No. <laughs> no. no I, Come I, on. I, I you got to be biased, motherfucker. I loved it, dude. I, was good. I, I wanted to see more of that that like section of the movie. Yeah. But like we, we never knew. Just never yeah. knew. Here's another one. An atheistic university professor <laughs> with, an intest- with, an intest- <laughs> with an intestinal rupture experienced being maliciously pinched then torn apart by malevolent beings. Talking shit. Talking shit. <laughs> his, his intestines ruptured. He, had, he, he almost died and the whole and all he experienced was just him being just fucking Hellraiser. <laughs> a woman who hemorrhaged from a ruptured fallopian tube reported an NDE involving horrific beings with gray gelatinous appendages Grasping and clawing at me, bitch. You were reading fucking Lovecraft. The sounds of the guttural moaning and indescribable stench oh still remain 40 years, 41 years later. There was no benign being of light, no life video, nothing beautiful or pleasant. You were reading Call of Cthulhu, woman. <laughs> Yeah, she's all she's like I fucking She's a sacrifice. Great gel, gelatinous <laughs> appendages, guttural moaning, indescribable stench. See, she she shouldn't she shouldn't be doing the colloquial. Yes, yeah, there you go. And last but not least, a woman who attempted suicide felt her body sliding downward in a cold, dark, watery environment. When I reached the bottom... Welcome to the void, bitch. <laughs> when I reached the bottom, it resembled the entrance to a cave with what looked like webs hanging. I heard cries, wails, moans, and the gnashing of teeth. I saw these beings that resembled humans with the shape of a head and body, but they were ugly and grotesque. They were frightening and sounded like they were tormented in agony. So I guess, if, you know, it's pretty easy to tell... What kind of NDE you're experiencing? Oh, you experienced gelatinous beans with horrible stench. You had a you had a hellish NDE. That's hellish, bro. Yeah, most no. of these were suicides. No, a lot no. of them. A lot of them were no. just women well, in the, the hospital. Last three? The hellish ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hellish ones. Yeah, the hellish ones. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the others weren't. The other ones are if you were a woman, 
If you're a woman in a hospital, yeah. you either didn't exist, and then whatever fucking space beans were in charge of you laughed at you and said, psych. <laughs> Dude, that's a dick move. I want those guys to be my friends. <laughs> So they can suck my ass. Psych. Psych, motherfucker. So they can suck your ass? <laughs> psych my ass. Suck my ass. <laughs> so we talked about heaven. We talked about hell. We talked about nothing. We did talk about heaven. We never talked about heaven. I didn't mention heaven. Well, I specifically did not mention heaven on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me uh, redo. Let me backtrack my ass real quick. <laughs> What? I'm gonna send your ass to the void right now. Life, life after death. Life after death. That's, Heaven. that's a good impelled album, by the way. It's actually, it's actually death after life. But check it out. Impaled. By impaled. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just, I was listening to them earlier. I was no, carry on, carry on, carry on. You know, fuck me, right? He's gonna, he's gonna do your segment for you, bro. Yeah. 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 Pass the script. Mon, What's your favorite song on that album? Gutless. He fucking knew. I want to say, I, I want to bust it with rock. It doesn't matter your favorite song, but he beat me fucking the answer that yeah, real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Life after death. Heaven. Hell. Nothing. Okay. But what if there is a fourth option? What is it? Reincarnation. Restart. Yeah, okay. <laughs> reboot. Yeah, <laughs> restart. Enter coin in 10, Jeez. 9, 8. So these are uh, what I'm about to read to you are accounts of kids who have been reincarnated and who remember their past lives. Oh, shit. Uh, there's been so many accounts of reincarnations. Mostly are by kids. Under the age of six. Most of these most, are... Most of these are kids. What? Yeah. So the first two uh, accounts that I'm going to talk about are pretty much in detail. Okay. And the rest are just short but spooky uh, uh, stories of... Quick stories of reincarnation of these kids. All right. So the first one, first story, I'm going to read directly... <clears throat> Excuse me. Directly from a story done by the University of Virginia magazine by Sean Lyons. And it goes like this. When Ryan was four, he began directing imaginary movies. Shouts of action often echoed from his room. But the play became a concern for Ryan's parents. And he began waking up in the middle of the night, screaming and clutching his chest, saying he dreamed his heart exploded when he was in Hollywood. His mother asked his doctor about the episodes, the night terrors, the doctor said. He'll grow out of them. And one night, as his mother tucked Ryan into his bed, Ryan suddenly took hold of her hand. Mama, he said, I think I used to be someone else. He said he remembered a big white house and a swimming pool. It was in Hollywood, many miles from his Oklahoma home. He said he had three sons, but that he couldn't remember their names began to cry, asking his mother over and over why he couldn't remember their names. Who are my kids? What are their fucking names? <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't know what to do, she said. I was more in shock than anything. He was so insistent about it. After that night, he kept talking about it. Kept getting upset about not being able to remember those names. Fuck! 
I started researching the internet. <laughs> That's what about, I started researching the internet about reincarnation. I even got some books from the library on Hollywood, thinking their pictures might help them. I didn't tell anyone for months. One day, as Ryan and his mom paged through one of the Hollywood books, Ryan stopped at a black and white still taken from a 1930s movie. Night after night, two men in the center of the picture were confronting one another. Four other men surrounded them. His mother didn't recognize any of the faces, but Ryan pointed to one of the men in the middle. Hey mama, he said, that's George. We did a picture together. His figure then shot over to the man on the right, wearing an overcoat and a scowl. That guy's me. I found me. The book didn't provide any names of the actor's picture. But she quickly confirmed that the man Ryan said was George in the photo was indeed a George. George Rath. An all but forgotten film star from the 1930s and 1940s. Still, his mother could identify the man Ryan said had been him. She wrote Tucker, whom she found through the online research and included the photo. Eventually, it ended up in the hands of a film archivist, who, after weeks of research, confirmed the scowling man's name. Martin Martin, an uncredited extra in the film. Not long afterward, Tucker and the family traveled to California to meet Martin's daughter, who had been tracked down by researchers working with Tucker on the documentary. Tucker sat down with the woman before her meeting with Ryan. She'd been reluctant to help, but during her talk with Tucker, she confirmed dozens of facts Ryan had given about her father. Ryan said he danced in New York. Martin was a Broadway dancer. Ryan said he was also an agent and that people where he worked had changed their names. Martin f worked for years at a well-known talent agency in Hollywood where stage names are often created. After his dancing career ended, Ryan said his old address had quote-unquote rock in its name. Martin lived at 825 North Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. Ryan said he knew a man named Senator Five. Martin's daughter said she had a picture of her father with the Senator Ives Irving Ive of New York, who served in the U.S. Senate from 1947 to 1959. And yes, Martin Martin had three sons. The daughter, of course, knew their names. And that's the story of Ryan, of the first kid. So there's, so there's no follow-up? She didn't talk to the kid and be like, hey, uh, so you're telling me that you're my dad? I mean, there's more to it. So he but, mentioned that he had three sons, but, no but, daughter. but never a daughter, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was the 1930s. He probably didn't care about the daughter. Now, the next story involves a two-year-old named James Fuck Leininger. you. If this two-year-old's already talking, I would have fucking yeeted him out the window. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember anything as a two-year-old. This motherfucker's remembering in past lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but can't remember the fucking wife when he takes a shit. All right. <laughs> So this story involves a two-year-old named James Leininger, a Louisiana boy who lived who loved toy planes. He started to have repeated nightmares of a horrible plane crash. 
he would kick his leg up in the air, screaming, airplane crashed on fire, little man can't get out. Then during the day, he would slam his toy planes into the family's coffee table while yelling, airplane crashed on fire, to the extent that there were dozens of scratches and dents in the table. James talked about the crash, relating that he had been a pilot and that he had flown off a boat. His father asked him the name of the boat and he said, Natoma. When his father remarked, that sounds Japanese to me, James replied, no, it's American. James went on to say that he piloted a type of plane called a Corsair, a Corsair, that his nickname was Little Man, and that he had a friend on the boat named Jack Larson. After years of painstaking research, James' father learned that an American aircraft carrier, the USS Natoma Bay, had supported operations at Iowa, or Iowa Jima, Iowa Jima, during that World War II battle, and that he had lost one pilot there, a young man from Pennsylvania named James Houston. His plane crashed almost exactly as described, hitting the engine, exploding, crashing to the water, and quickly sinking. The pilot in the plane next to his when this happened was named Jack Larson. It's nearly impossible to conceive how children so young should have such vivid memories or how they or anyone connected to them for that matter could have known anything about such obscure figures from the past, whether it be Martin Martin or Little Man, James Houston. Nor do, nor do such children appear to be abused or suffering from any trauma connected with their current life. And for them to be so damn descriptive about this whole thing. And knowing the facts of their past life. That's it. And I, I find that picture funny when the little kid just has a plane, mom and daddy eating, eating fucking food. The little kid comes to the table, little man on fire, boom! <laughs> Denting the fucking plane table. crashing, bang, bang. And what's the kid's name again? Uh, James Leininger. So, of course, there's something abnormal, creepy, and cool at the same time it's happened to these kids to remember their past life again this usually occurs to kids under the age of six after the age of six these memories tend to fade away, fade fade away. away. yeah i wonder if like if at any point any of these kids saw heard or anything that's related to that or even like the parents for them to even think about that or is it just like I? Where the? Oh, uh, there's a story that I'll, I'll tell my brother about it, but I'll let him finish. Yeah. And uh, to think like, oh, this is probably fake. Yeah. I mean, James was diagnosed with PTSD at the age of two. What the? So to what think, are you worried about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his symptoms of what he was going through was the PTSD. Damn. He's two years old. He's fucking right before nap time. He's fucking packing his cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Smoky stub. Uh. Now, the rest of these stories are short and sweet right. and creepy. Tell me about it. My four-year-old nephew talks about being on the Titanic all the time. He said he was with his wife and they, that it was really cold. And every time he watches a movie with boats or bodies of water, he gets freaked out and wants to turn it off. My three-year-old son told me that he smothered someone once. What? I asked him if he knew what the word meant. He said it meant holding a pillow on someone's head until you stop moving. 
I asked him when he did that, and he said, oh, a long, long time ago. When my son was two or three, he talked about being an adult who rode horses in the woods. He said that he that one day he got hurt riding, then everything got dark, and the next thing he knew, he was with me. I asked where he got hurt, and he pointed to the birthmark on his stomach. One day, my two-year-old brother randomly started describing the detailed process of making pizza. The process of keeping a fire going, using a brick oven, allowing dough to rise. He never seen anyone make pizza before. So my parents asked when he did this, and he said, with my old family, my oh. mama and papa, before I died and came to live with you. That's fucking creepy. <laughs> Our son is named after Marine that was killed in action on my husband's last appointment. One, one day when he was three, we drove by a military base where his namesake is buried and our son said, I'm buried over there in the ground, you know, from when I died fighting bad guys with daddy. Oh shit. Before I was your kid. Oh shit. My husband and I joke that our son is my dad reincarnated because he's just like him. He was conceived three months after my dad passed away from a sudden heart attack and was born with a birthmark right over his heart. If that's not enough, the first three letters my son ever wrote were G-U-Y in that order. That was my dad's name. Guy. But these are the stories of uh, reincarnations. Creepy, scary. What comes after life and death, hell, heaven, nothing, or reincarnation. Or you go back to your last self checkpoint, which is literally at the beginning of the game. But what <laughs> if what if you didn't save it? That's what I said. <laughs> right at the beginning of the game. I gotta start all over my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like you can buy a memory card for your PlayStation Boy. Shit. From a GameCube? For your GameCube. It, it was Fucking, there's this, uh, there's this other story about reincarnation, about this little girl. Like, mm. I forgot the fucking story. I try to look it up right now, but I can't mm-hmm. find it. Where she kept remembering her past family's name. She said, "I have a sister. I have a wife. I had this. I had that." Right. And she kept talking about it, talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. Mm. And she became so distressed about not being with her family that she was, she had depression. She had like separation anxiety. She's like this. I How live, old was? Like five, six. Okay. She, she had suppression anxiety. She's like, I lived, I used to live on this island. I used to live on this village. And they were like, what's the name of this village? And it was like in middle, in like Middle Eastern village. And they looked it up and the village was real. It's like in the middle of nowhere. Right. And the parents had money. And they're like, fuck it. One summer, let's just go visit. And as they were, go, and as they were they visiting. No, well, they want to go visit. Uh-huh. And as they were nearing the village, they're walking in. The little girl's like, oh, yeah, this is this person's house. This is this person's house. They're walking in. She's describing, oh, that's this person's name. And they'll go to what's your name. And he said it right. And she's like, oh, look. And she points out, like, that's my family. That's my wife and my three kids. What? <laughs> and they go, and then they go up to the family and they start talking to them or whatever. And uh, they had a translator there topping them out. Yeah. And the little girl's like five or six. And the dad passed away like six, seven years before. Six, seven years before. Yeah. So, like, the, 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 they're saying that the dad died and was reincarnated as the little white girl. <laughs> That, that's another story Like that one was weird When I was looking up About this other little kid who's, who's almost the same shit He remembers a past life And he too He's distressed He's having like Separation anxiety 
and it's a documentary and the documentary they're like all right well let's go see let's go back to this island the kids from glasgow and the island's like 2200 miles away yeah or the other city where he said he was born and they're like should we go visit this place should we not blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah yeah that's reincarnation that's just wild do you guys believe in reincarnation aside you know i think <laughs> like, <laughs> i mean I, I think so i think like that that's a, a higher probability than than void or have or heaven or hell or that type of thing which is recycling our lives so it's just an endless loop of it's an endless loop of new adventures probably why i'm so tired <laughs> i've looped a lot <laughs> <laughs> you've had a break he said he's looped a lot he's been looping a little loopy what do you think your past life was I must have died of starvation for a fat <laughs> this year. I'm, I'm, making up, I'm, I'm making up for my last. I'm making up for my past life. I gotta make it for my past life. It's like some like, un, it's like some invisible trauma that I carry in the back of my head. Like every time I'm full, I'm like I gotta keep eating because I, I don't something, something I, about this. I didn't expect that. Gotta, like, I don't know when's the last time I ate my food. He died and fucking off, off of starvation. Well, besides past lives and afterlives and all that stuff, um, now we're going to move on to a different segment of, I guess, power of mind, which are fortune tellers, psychics, mediums. Hmm. So throughout human history, uh, we've all been mesmerized by these uh, people, which are, again, fortune tellers, psychics, mediums, and any other tellers of the future. For example, Egyptians and the Mesopotamians practice an art called scrying, where shapes were deciphered from ink droplings that were put in water. And as soon as the Chinese emperor Shengong discovered tea, his servants went straight into reading the tea leaves. Mm. An even more famous person you might have heard of before, Nostradamus relieved the prophecy, released the prophecies in uh, 1555, which included global predictions throughout the ages. And we've all had all these experiences throughout time, whether it be, you know, someone you see on TV mm-hmm. or even people throughout history is like as the ones I mentioned, even including Russia as Rasputin, right? That was, a, yeah. yeah. Rasputin. Rasputin. That fucking stinky big dick bastard. His dick was so big that they cut it off and they keep it somewhere for you to see. As like a freaking... Totem of like good spiritual vibes, oh I guess. You want some good vibes? Go look at this fool's dick. <laughs> dick. You want some good dick vibes? <laughs> you want some vibes? So you these, got a big dick. So these are the vibes we're talking about. You'll be vibing. <laughs> and well, no matter where we it's are in it's time. True. It's true. You it's be vibing with dick? Right. This fool's ugly. <laughs> That's the only thing that people like his dick. Well, then he was like this fucking... Russia's number one fortune teller dude. Absolutely. People went to him. And no matter where we are in time, our fascination with people who have these supernatural abilities never really dwindled. And now with so many technological advances, advancements, it only brought the psychics further up to service into popular culture. Just 10 years ago, in 2010, a report showed that the psychic industry pulled about $2 million dollars about a profit. Two, two million? God damn. Thanks, shit. But you might have heard of something that sounds like this. Really want to know. Okay, I was wondering who the father of my baby was. 
All right, let's take a look. The Miss Cleo DNA test. <laughs> Solely searching for the father of your baby. Oh. It's the one that's very unpleasant, okay? Okay. Um, and he's also the one that had another girlfriend while he was sleeping with you. Yes, he did. Yep, that's him. That's the daddy. Okay. But you knew that. I wasn't sure. I don't know how. The baby looks just like him. Yes, he does. Yeah, so you were in denial. Because he has a funny little chin, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah, and the baby have that same little chin. Oh, my God. The cards can reveal things that you will never see by yourself. Call me now for your free tarot reading. Call me now. Damn. Especially around the 90s, if you're up late at night watching TV, you start hearing these commercials. Hey, look, bro, I might call it right before I start dueling, bro. <laughs> am I going to get, am I gonna am I gonna get the my dub? top five card? Am I going to get the dub? Should I draw? Should I scoop? <laughs> am I going to waste my oh, time? Oh, you better dead draw my son. <laughs> Is it going to be an OTK? <laughs> <laughs> so this right here was the none other than the famous Yuri Del Harris, a.k.a. Miss Cleo. Now, if you have not heard of this lady, then you must have definitely heard of all the parodies done of her, such as by Dave Chappelle, Mad TV, and even on an episode of Disney Channel's show, That's So Raven. Miss Cleo was a native LA-born who started off as an actress and playwright. In 1996, she opened a theater company in Seattle, Washington. It was here where she got inspiration for what later become her most famous TV persona, Miss Cleo when she was acting out a part as a Jamaican character by the name of Cleo. There has also been, uh, this is also where many believe was her upbringing as a scam artist. First of all, Yuri Del Harris actually had several aliases while working with the theater company and then, you know, uh, in throughout her career. In the theater company, she was known as Re Paris. Secondly, while completing a play she, uh, that she wrote, she also let her cast know that suddenly she wasn't able to pay them. And the reason why is because she got a sudden quote-unquote bone cancer and their hospital bills were too much and that she was not able to pay back her actors. Fuck. She did say that once her hospital bills were paid off, though, that she was going to be able to pay all of them back, everything that she promised them, even asking them, Hey, what's your number? Let me know. So that way, you know, once I get paid uh, or once I pay off my bills, I'll be able to, you know, reach you and then pay you back. Well, she got her belongings and just dipped. She ghosted? She ghosted. Damn. And what sucks is that the actors couldn't even bring her to justice because of the attorney fees surpassed the amount of money that the actors were going to get paid. <laughs> so it wasn't even worth it. In the late 1990s, this program by the, uh, that's called the Psychic Readers Network took in Yuri Del Harris and became the face of the show. The show wanted to show someone who had a sense of kind of etherealness to them and transformed Harris into this Jamaican shaman by the name of Miss Cleo. If you have trouble in your love life, financial life, or really anything, or even finding out who your baby daddy was, Miss <laughs> Cleo was there to read your future and save the day. The phones were ringing off the hook with thousands upon thousands of desperate souls looking into finding a quick solution to directing their lives. Miss Cleo's most common method of finding the solution to your problem was through tarot card reading. 
For those who don't know, tarot cards are basically a deck of about 78 cards, sometimes less, which, uh, which cards have its own meaning and interpretation based on what questions are asked. A tarot card reading, like I mentioned, are a way for people's questions uh, to be answered and to console them in their concerns. Ms. Khalil proclaimed herself to be a professional in the art, but was considered, but there was always speculation as to whether or not her readings were considered legit or whether they were just fabricated to give the caller what they wanted to hear. However, however you want to split the hair, there, this left many late night viewers curious and considering whether or not Miss Cleo was telling the truth or not. But you didn't have to because the infomercial promised you a free first time call reading. You no longer had to wait and now you can definitely call about your problems without concern. What the network did not tell you though was that there was only a few minutes. They only gave you a few minutes for free. The entire time, the network would have you basically responding to a few questions about yourself to keep you in the line until quote-unquote Miss Cleo would be ready for you. But then by then, the quote-unquote free psychic reading had already happened, and by that time, someone else picked up your call and considered themselves as psychics. By then, you're already getting charged dollars per minute, and some of these psychics uh, proclaimed to be actual but others were just regular people reading a generic script. Like I mentioned before, so many people were calling in for this reading, <laughs> and the Psychic Readers Network did not want to miss out on any opportunity to take more calls and, of course, more of your money. So, yes, it did not. They, they did also hire regular people whose job was to keep you on the line as long as possible and give you these generic readings that will uh, satisfy you just enough for you to come back for more. Now, you would think that people would stop coming back after the first reading, but the network thought of this through, and since they already have your personal information, they would call you back, giving you generic messages, letting you know, Miss Cleo has some very important for you, for important news about your future. Go ahead and call her back, because this is urgent news that you need to know about. And of course, lots of people will actually call back. And what started off as a free psychic consultation would end up costing listeners about $68 per call. Of course, this didn't last very long because the network ended up getting sued by the Federal Trade Commission for false advertisement, deceptive billing, and collection practices. The settlement agreed to erase $500 million debt owed by its callers and paying $5 million to the Federal Trade Commission. Now, although Ms. Cleo was the face of the network company, she really did not have anything to do with the fraudulent services made by the network. Ha! So she says. She claims that she herself was getting cheated by the company for only getting paid cents per minute for the calls that she answered. She also revealed that she not she was not actually a psychic, go figure, but instead a practitioner of voodoo because of her family roots. Mm. The network, however, did not want the audience to know about this because they thought voodoo would scare too many callers away and psychic would actually be a better fit. After the settlement, the network decided to call it quits and fired all of its staff. There's really no telling how much money the network ended up getting, but I really do feel they definitely reached somewhere in the millions or billions. You think billions? Yeah. Absolutely. The 90s. Yeah, we were kind of stupid. And post-network, Miss Cleo actually ended up coming out and many TV appearances, continued to provide some of her voodoo services, publishing her own book, ironically called Keeping It Real. 
and even doing some voice acting on the Rockstar video game Grand Theft Auto Vice City as a character known as Auntie Paulette. Eventually, she did pass away, but not from the bone cancer that she claimed uh, at first, but from colon cancer in 2016 at the age of 53. That would have been hell- not hilarious, but it would have been like good karma if she would have died from the bone cancer. Yeah. Well, so she died she- off of cancer, though. She died off of cancer, for sure. Yeah. But, like, I've heard of this person. I heard of the parodies. I've never heard of, of or, like, seen these commercials, you know, back in the day. But yeah. I have seen, like, all the parodies about this particular person. About Miss Cleo? Yeah, Ms. about Miss Cleo. And here's actually a little clip of uh of her voice acting in Vice City also. Soul. You must be the big bad man my granddaddy been chatting about. Tell me things about you, you know, when he visits and about the others who wait for you. Now, we are dead from long time, but you, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. <laughs> I got a message to come here. Can you hear them? Them calling your name, boy, must want you pretty bad, don't you think? Now you do all and you play a turn, and maybe she help you. Maybe she can give you a little juju after all of this. Give you some magic to give the law man the stink eye. Mm? Look, this is all very, um, give me what? Josh, 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 I think I got some things done. The Cubans, nasty, proud foo-foos. Mm. Been making my lovely Haitian boys shake their heads. Now they told the policeman where me been stashing my powders. They think it drugs. Them stupid. Now be a good boy, Tommy, and go and get the powders for Auntie Poole. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Hmm. I never played Vice City. I mean, I played it. Yeah. But just like free rowing. Just killing. Oh and, yeah, but yeah. actually doing the storyline. But not actually doing the storyline. Yeah, yeah. Most most of the the lines and I, I mean I don't I can't speak for all the all, uh, the other Grand Theft Autos, but I remember playing this one all the way through. But most of the like the, the little side stories that happen in between make yeah. no fucking sense. For real, they make no fucking sense. Mm. Now, although Miss Cleo was such a big influence providing services to the average Joe, I don't think there's one person that did not make a bigger splash and impact than the late and great. Walter Mercado. I think that I can say without a doubt, this man has popped up in most, or if not all, of Spanish-speaking households' televisions at one point in their lives, and I've probably been told by her moms to shut the fuck up because he's on. Oh my god, oh. bro! You have no fucking idea. That's just, that, that motherfucker would always come on when you had to tell your mom the ice cream truck is about outside. It's about a, it's about to go to the front of your house. You run inside and you want shut the stop. And then you have to wait for the Walter Mercado to finish. Yeah. And then you hear the ice cream truck far away when he's like, mucho, mucho, mucho amor. You're like, fuck! That's it. You got to wait for the next day. And I wish I could dive into every detail about the life of Walter Mercado, his upbringing, all the, f- the famous people that he influenced. But this would end up becoming a whole ass Netflix special. Which there is. Which there is. Called Mucho, Mucho, mucho Amor. amor. And highly recommend it. Definitely go ahead and watch it after listening to our episode to like kind of fill in all the holes of my research. 
Yeah, what what Mercado? He was, he was. I forgot what I I didn't see the fucking uh the 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 the, the documentary. Mm-hmm. But he he was he was on every fucking TV show. He was on was it Preventing Pacto where they had his own segment. Yeah, and then that, well that was that was his main hub is being there in Univision. That was like that that was there that was his main thing from like for the most part for most of his career. Yeah, because he also came out on Talo Gigante. Yeah. It was like, he would come out on news channels, on game shows. Everywhere. Fucking everywhere. There, there has not been one rock that has not been all, unturned by Walter McDowell. <sighs> whoever his agent is, I want it. Oh, I'll talk to you about him. Is his agent? All right. Yeah. I don't care if I have to wear a glittery suit. I will fuck a <laughs> suit and a cape. Are you kidding me? I will do that gladly. Now, I know that Walter McCall does not proclaim himself as a psychic, but instead as an astrologer. But I feel that this shares enough traits to offer him a spot in the Power of Mind episode. The Walter McCall that we know today started his astrological career um, on TV in the late 1960s. He had a short 15-minute segment on a Puerto Rican TV station that was incredibly popular at the time. From there, his popularity only grew as more TV stations wanted to have him on their network. But no, but no other network blew him up as much uh, uh, blew up Walter as much as Univision has done. He was on the segment of Primer Impacto from the mid 1990s until 2010. God damn it! And Walter was the first person to actually have his own show that was only on astrology. He captured the hearts and minds of many through his tarot card readings, his horoscope uh, interpretations, and of course. His glamorous wardrobe. He was fucking um, bedazzled the fuck out. Imagine a walking Ed Hardy shirt. This was this oh, guy. Yeah, he was bedazzled cape, fucking pink, purple, blonde hair. Yeah, and and it's crazy because of his popularity <laughs> and how famous he was. Um, a lot of like really high end clothing brands. Ask him, can we make a wardrobe for you? Can we make a cape for you? So Versace was like, we want to make something for you. And you know what's crazy? He was a little on the uh, on the little. I mean, he was not not a little, but he was more on the queer side of things. Oh yeah, he was very flamboyant. He was very flamboyant, which was really weird for him to be on Mexican TV because of all the machismo that was yeah. going on. That, that, yeah, that, yeah. that is going that still fucking is happening. plagues yeah. fucking. Us brown people. Yeah. This fool was like the furthest thing from manly. Yeah. And they talk about in the show that what really saved him from that, from kind of like, because he, he still got ridiculed. He's, there's still people, you know, talking shit about his persona and stuff. But what preventing him from like getting completely cut off of television shows and stuff was that when people talked about his sexuality, he never commented on that. When they asked him like, so are you gay or... Oye, oh, Walter, uh, una pregunta, ¿te canta la verga? And ins- eres una... And, and instead, like, he came up with, like, the wittiest fucking comments and kind of, like, threw it back at them. And so now everyone's looking at that person, like, oh, are you Ooh. fucking gay? And so, like, pues, yeah. A ti te gusta la verga, ¿no? And everyone's like, oh! Yeah, yeah. They're like, are you gay? Yeah. And then he's like, why, you want why you want to suck on something? Yeah. Oh! chupar, compa? Oh, like fuck. you asking quite a lot, boy. But yeah, so like the Kuliawe. <laughs> so no, no one. Basically, no one would touch him. You know, even though everyone kind of, kind of hinted on that, 
Like he would never comment on that. That's true. Which is why he he was kept on into in, in a lot of these like Hispanic television shows and like, like that. He was he was was the, he gay though? Yeah, I think he was. Did he have family? I mean, oh, he no. never had a boyfriend. He never had a, a girlfriend. So, so there's no that, kids that we know that we know of. So so there's no kids, no kids, no kids. Never had kids. He Damn. he's basically the Puerto he's Puerto Rican, right? Yeah. He he's basically the Puerto Rican prince. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So his legacy yeah. just mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, and he died, right? He's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember he died, and my mom was like, "Did you hear who died?" I was like, "What?" She's like, "Fucking." And usually it's time. us telling her, "Yeah, like, who died?" Nah, she, she, who died? I'm like, what she, the fuck? she knew. I'm like, mom, it's three thirty in the a.m. What the fuck? She's are you walking. Doing? She's walking around in a fucking Versace cape. Like, <laughs> oh fuck! You get that? <laughs> Is that why I didn't go to college? Exactly. Now, there's no one else like Walter at the time, and he created this image of himself that, without a doubt, many would immediately recognize. Mm -hmm. People almost recognize him as a life coach since so many celebrities and even politicians wanted to know about their signs, how their life was going to affect them in the future, and so on and so forth. With the amount of followers he developed, there are so many that were devoted fans that that wanted to see him, that wanted to hold his hand, that wanted to give him a rose. It was almost like a cult falling, to be honest. You really couldn't catch Walter walking down the street without a swarm of people wanting to see him. Like, think like freaking the Beatles fans when the Beatles were big. Had Beatlemania. Was, well, I mean, that that whole scene, like that whole, uh, what do you call it, where he's into um, astrology? Yeah. That's in itself is like a mini cult. Yeah. Like, it's. Yeah. That would be popping right now. No. Oh. If he had a Twitter account right now, yeah, and he was talking about the Virgo sun and the Capri sun Gatorade moons or whatever. The gate, what? All that <laughs> what shit are we talking on about? Twitter? I heard Gatorade, bro. I heard retro, Skittles. Retro, retrograde Gatorade, whatever. You know what I meant. <laughs> and of course, much like Miss Cleo, Walter Mercado was also shambled into participating in in the one eight hundred psychic hotline scams that were happening in the nineties. His manager, by the name of Bill Bakula, did drag him into joining on on this scam, considering that he was already an at-large fan base, or or considering that he already had an at-large fan base, he he knew that he would easily bring over millions upon millions of dollars. Much like Miss Cleo, although promises were made to speak with him personally, it was really his psychic assistants that would pick up the call. Walter was the first to not only reach the uh, audiences in the U.S., but internationally as well. People were calling from all over the world, convinced that Walter would be on the other line just to hear them. To Walter, he felt like he was helping his people, his followers, giving them advice and helping them on their personal struggles. He was told that his psychics were professionals, providing this assistance and advertised as such. But he was naive to the fact that this help did not come with a without a price all the callers were taken advantage of and were paying hundreds with these promised services although walter was getting paid a lot of money for being the face of hotline calls it was nothing compared to what his manager made off of him uh, it's always the manager man i am become a manager i gotta become a manager yeah i gotta swindle some kids money and now um you'll i mean I don't spoil it too much, but in the show, this guy Bill Bakula, 
Um, now he was like his main main dude, main manager, and so Walter really trusted this guy, and so like anything that 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 Bill says, like okay, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, you know, I know it's for the best, I know it's for me, blah blah, blah. and so eventually he gave him a contract and basically signed his whole life away in that one contract. So every right, everything, everything, yeah, his name, everything. everything was under him. Like if you want to talk to Walter, you gotta to talk to his manager. And so, you know, along with this and a six-year-long legal dispute trying to get out of this kind of ball-and-chain contract between uh, between this and his manager and also a heart attack that he suffered only two days after winning the case, these were the things that kind of just, you know, ended his career. He knew that it was time to put away his cape and his tarot cards. And it was very unfortunate how his career ended but he lived, he actually ended up living a pretty content life in Puerto Rico until his death in 2019. I really do feel that there is no other TV astrologer or even psychic that has made more of an impact or a following as Walter Mercado did. R.I.P. to the real one. Yeah, that dude was everywhere. Now that I remember, I was like remembering. That fool was on a lot of TV shows almost every fucking day. And then on the premiere. He was on every day on Premiering Park, right? It wasn't yeah, because that was his show. That was, like Univision brought him in. Well, his manager brought him into the the um to get his own TV segment, and eventually he kind of like just you know started talking to other to other networks and stuff like that. And to then the eventually, TV shows the network. And then All eventually right, Univision we'll was each, like, "We'll, we'll take we, him in. We'll give you ten minutes to, on this show, this show, this mm-hmm, show." It's mm-hmm. wild. And so Premier Impacto Univision that was his main hub. That's what we need to do. Which one of we got to put our names in the in a cup? Huh? Have Sonia pull the name, and whoever she pulls, that's the person who's going to be dressed as Walter Mercado. I think Josh is pretty close. He already has a blonde hair. No, oh, that's true. Suck my dick. I ain't doing that shit. It'd be weird of a Versace cape, bro. Oh, sign me up, bro. Sign me up. You won't regret it. Just just the cape. Cape by itself, bro. I'm in. Just yeah, that's all he's gonna wear, just the cape. Just the cape. <laughs> Butt naked, bro, and just a cape. Yeah, so that is that is today's uh this week's episode. I know it's kinda it wasn't all over the place, but it was it, it was like loosely based on Yeah shit we can't prove is real or not. Um vibes. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going on with. Yeah, vibes. vibes. I'm talking about vibes. Just vibes. Yeah. Vibes. Um yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh the next couple of weeks we're gonna have a bunch of doozy episodes whether they be dragons or talking about victorian dead people we got a bunch of books with a, for a bunch of shit that i just showed these guys i'm kind of excited to see what kind of shenanigans we are coming up with in the next couple of weeks we got a little good we got a good lineup coming up yeah and what um do we do um if we don't have anything else to add we should probably get going because um Achi's girlfriend she's here um, starving to death while she's sitting on the couch while we're over here talking about Pokemon because uh, we're going to eat in a little bit. Um, so if you guys don't have anything else to add, as always, oh, yeah, uh, add us on Instagram, Weird History, Irritable Spot. <laughs> you can find us on the episode show notes. Rate and review us. Again, episode show notes. Uh, every time we talk, you know, if you guys want to see some of the shit, all the shit we talk about, go to our Instagram where we post pictures and posts about the dumb shit that you guys do not want to listen to. Um, so, 
thank you guys, and as always, again, uh, people on Android, you can find us on Spotify. You guys, you know, yeah, we're there. If you guys are on Android, it's better to listen to us on Spotify and then whatever Google bullshit because they don't give us the numbers. Google bullshit. You're still forever, hurt, huh? You're still it's hurt, forever bro. on bro. It's green light on site. It's on site for all those Google bastards. Um, I say that while I'm on the Google Chrome. All right. So <laughs> if nobody has anything else to add, again, as always, y que reciban de mí siempre paz, mucha paz, pero sobre todo mucho, mucho, mucho qué, amor. <laughs>